take your Bibles this morning and turn with us to the book of Joshua, chapter number one, is what I want to look at today. A few weeks ago, I began a series of messages entitled, The Blessing of a New Beginning. Now, how many of you are thankful today that we serve a God who gives new beginnings to his people? We serve a God of second chances. We serve a God, like I have already stated, a God of grace who continually shows us his goodness. We have a gracious God. Now, what do I mean when I say we have a gracious God? Well, I mean that God is gracious in this. God extends his goodness to us regardless of who we are. See, the goodness that God shows to us, it's not dependent upon who we are and what we've done. That's what grace is all about. It's God giving his undeserved favor toward us. The goodness that God shows me, has shown me, and I believe has promised to continue to show me as his child. Uh, folks, listen to me now. It's not dependent upon me, for if it was, I could never receive it. If the grace of God was dependent upon my goodness and who I am, then I'm never going to do enough good things to receive God's goodness, His grace. But it's not dependent upon me. The Bible teaches plainly that the grace of God is dependent upon who He is, what He has done, and what He has said. That's an amazing thing. Never miss that point. Listen, folks, God's grace is a gift given because He loves us, not because we earn it. God gives new beginnings by His grace. And we have a perfect picture of that right here in the Old Testament book of Joshua. If you remember, we spent the last two weeks in the book of Numbers chapter 13 and I was talking to you about the edge of a new beginning, how the nation of Israel had been brought to Kadesh Barnea and it was at Kadesh Barnea that God was wanting to lead them into the promised land. They were right there on the edge of their blessing. They were right there on the edge of the abundant living that God had promised to them. But they chose to disobey and not place faith in the God who had delivered delivered them and they missed out on God's best at that time in their life and it cost them 40 more years of wandering in the wilderness. I'm going to tell you, disobedience will cost you. L listen to me folks. The, the Bible says in the book of Galatians that God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So disobedience, lack of faith, choosing to go your own way and not going God's way and what he wants will cost you and those around you. And that's what we learned from the nation of Israel. They uh, chose to disobey the Lord, chose to not place faith in the God that delivered them, and it cost them greatly. Now God, by his grace, has brought them back to the place where they can enter back in. <laughs> and it wouldn't uh, because of their goodness. He said, brother, how do you know that? Because I've read their journey. I've looked from the book of Exodus how that God, first and foremost, listen, there at the burning bush told Moses, he said, Moses, I've heard the cries of my people. They've, they've cried out unto me by reason of their taskmasters. At the time when, the, when, when Moses was called by God to lead the people out, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. Listen to me, folks. 
They were in bondage. They were in slavery. And they began crying out unto God for God to do what only God could do. And God said, I heard my people. Now Moses, I'm going to send you to deliver them. Now, How many of you are thankful this morning that God still hears the cries of his people? And God made the promise to Moses. He said, I'm going to use you to bring them out of the place of bondage. And they're going to be brought to the place of blessing. I'm going to use you to bring them out of the place of persecution. To the promised land. I'm going to use you, Moses, to fulfill my promise to my people. So God made the promise and he made good on it. Listen, but it wasn't dependent upon the goodness of the people, not by a long shot. God, first of all, by his power, delivered them by the blood of the Lamb. Can you say amen? It was by the blood of the Lamb there, which is a perfect foreshadowing of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was by the blood of the Lamb they came out of the bondage they were in. And right as soon as they came out, they came to the banks of the Red Sea. Do you remember? And when they got there, the, the Egyptian army was coming up behind them. And they were about to be killed. And God, by His power, split the Red Sea. And the nation of Israel walked across on dry land. How many of you know, that's what my God can do. That's the God I call my Heavenly Father. Praise the Lord, there's nothing too big for him. Listen, he made a way for his people to be delivered. Praise God for that. Guess what happened though? They praised him on the banks of the Red Sea for what he had done, for his deliverance, for his protection. But then just in a few days, you'll find them grumbling. They began to murmur against Moses and murmur against God because they were out in the middle of the desert and didn't have water to drink. So they said things like this. I tell you what we need to do is go back to Egypt. We need to turn around and go back to the bondage that we were in. At least there we had water to drink. And God, by His grace, caused water to flow from a rock. And then He made water to become bitter water to become sweet and gave them uh, uh, water to drink in a, in a very dry and thirsty land. And then guess what happened? Goes on a little bit further and they began to murmur and complain again because they don't have food to eat. And they said, I wish we'd just stayed in Egypt. I'm ready to turn around and go back and be back where I used to be. I'm ready to go back to the bondage I used to be in. At least then we had some food to put in our bellies. And God, by His grace, rained down manna from heaven. Now get this. The Bible then says the people after a while began to murmur and complain because they were sick of eating food that came straight from heaven. They were eating angel food and began to complain about it. And God, by his mercy, said, okay, now I'm going to give you some dove to eat, some meat with the bread. There were times that, listen, very mighty military units such as the Amalekites came against them and made war against this ragtag bunch of slaves that had no way of defeating that army. And God, by His power, would bring them through. And time after time after time, as soon as they got a chance, they would murmur and they would complain and they would threaten that they're going back to Egypt. At one point, they actually made a calf, a false God to worship 
like they used to worship in Egypt. Now, how many of you would agree that the graciousness of God that was shown to the people was not dependent upon their goodness? Because time upon time upon time, even though God just lavished his grace upon them, showed them his goodness over and over and over again through protection and deliverance and provision, continually they turned their back on him and wanted to go back to the old way of doing things. God's graciousness that is shown to his people is not because of our goodness who we are, or what we've done. God's graciousness is shown to us because of who he is, what he's done, and what he's promised. Now we could really, I mean, and, and I've done it before, I've heard other pastors do it before, we could really talk bad about the nation of Israel and how they turned their back on God, but let's bring this to where we live. What about us? How many times does God deliver us and protect us and provide for us and continually show us his goodness by his grace? And how many times do we turn our back on him? How many times do we go back to the old way of doing things? thinking like the old man, living like the old man, making decisions like the world makes decisions, being disobedient to what we know God wants. Don't we do the same thing? That's why we all better be thankful for the blessing of a new beginning. So here we are. God has now brought them again right to the edge of the promised land. And he says something in Joshua chapter number 1, starting in verse number 1. Watch what the Bible says. Joshua 1 verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan. So there's one thing you need to see. In this new beginning, there's new leadership First of all, Moses, the Bible said in verse 1, had died. He's died, and now it's up to Joshua to lead the people into the promised land. Not only is God bringing in this new beginning new leadership, he's also bringing a new location. They're going from the wilderness um, straight into the promised land that God um, had promised to them all the way back at the burning bush. He's made good on his promise every step of the way. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore rise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Look at verse 3. Now watch this. There's three things that I want you to see today. First of all, I want you to see the promise of God. The promise of God is outlined for us in verses 2 through 9. Look at verse number 3 there. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Pay close attention to that, verse 4. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and of the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Verse 5, there shall not any man 
man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, watch what he says, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor will I forsake thee. Let's stop right there just a moment. Now I want you to think about something. But pre-going into the, uh, the, the promised land, while they were still out in the wilderness, how many of you know God was just doing things that only God can do? I've already referenced some of them for you. He caused water to come from a rock, made bitter water sweet, protected them by his power from mighty military, arm, military units, military um, um, trained people who were willing to go in and completely wipe out the nation of Israel. God, by his power, delivered them. At one point, there was a fiery serpent that came through the camp and bit all the people. And God said, I tell you what, you put on a pole, a brazen serpent, and everybody who looks at that pole by faith, I'm going to heal them. And he healed all who were willing to look by faith, which is another perfect picture of Jesus, praise the Lord. But God has done all of these God things pre-coming into the promised land. Yeah, he rained down manna from heaven. Um, he did split the Red Sea, did all of this stuff before they got there. But let me tell you what else I know. I read on through the book of Joshua, and guess what God does after they go into the promised land? He does a lot more God things. He causes the most fortified city that the world knew at that time, the city of Jericho, the walls to fall down flat, and God brought his people in and gave to them exactly what he had promised. Oh, listen to me. God is faithful to keep his promise. And he was doing things pre-promised land just like only he could do it. And he did things after they entered just like only he could do it. What is the common denominator pre-promised land entering into it and post-entering into the promised land. Well, it's not the presence of, of human leadership because pre-going into the promised land, who'd they have as a leader? They had Moses. After they entered and while they entered, who did they have as a leader? Well, the Bible just told us it was going to be Joshua. Now, what is my point? Listen to me. Regardless of who's in leadership, God can still do exactly what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. And if anything's going to be done effectively, it will not be done by physical ability, but by the supernatural power of God himself. That's why I keep telling you, listen to me, folks, we have to be desperate for God to do what only he can do. I've come to find out I, I cannot change people's life. Can you say amen? God, God has never uh, called me to save anybody. All I'm called to do is sow the good seed of the gospel. I'm called to give truth by power of the Holy Spirit and let God do what only he can do, and I'm praying he does it, regardless of who's in leadership, regardless of what man's efforts may be able to do, God is able to do what's necessary to change people's hearts and change people's lives. So, so it wasn't that Moses was the leader or Joshua was the leader. It's that God was in the midst. And by his presence, he was doing his work. So what we need to be praying for, what we need to be seeking, is for God to have complete control in everything that's going on. For him to be honored and glorified in everything that's happening. And every prayer we pray and every message we preach and every lesson we teach. Let's stay true to what God has said we need to be doing. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Can you say amen? And the Bible says, God said to Joshua, 
I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses. I want you to think about that. Moses was a mighty man of God. He stood up in front of the most powerful man who lived upon the face of the earth at that time, Pharaoh. And he said to him, I'm about to take your workforce because God said, that's exactly what's going to happen. But not only did Moses have faith enough to go and say that and kept his life, but now listen, he did it by the power of God. Moses was a great man of God. Moses is a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. He is the deliverer that God sent to bring the people out of bondage. But you know what God said to Joshua? Joshua, just like I was with him, I'm going to be with you. Let me give you a good verse. It comes from the book of Acts. The apostle Paul says that God is no respecter of persons. Now some of you need to remember that because it's very easy to put people on a pedestal if you're not careful. Let me tell you something, folks. The only one we need to put on a pedestal is Jesus. Let me tell you why. Because if God uses me, praise Jesus. Because he's the one who's worthy of praise. I know in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. So if something good happens from my ministry or something good happens from my preaching, praise the mighty name of Jesus because he's got to do it. But now listen to me. If the Bible is saying what I believe it's saying, God is saying, whether you're Moses or Joshua, I'm going to be with you. What I can do for Moses, I can do for Joshua. I'm not going to love Moses any more than I love Joshua, and I'm not going to do more for Moses what than I would do for Joshua. I'm going to just do what I'm going to do in the lives of my people regardless of who it is. All he's looking for is a willing vessel. Can you say amen? Moses, I'm not, or Joshua, I'm not calling you to be Moses. I'm calling you to be you, but I want you to follow me. Now what God can do for me, he can do for you. Can you say amen? He's no respecter of persons. What God can do for Billy Graham, he can do for Andy Tucker. He can use you, brother, to share his truth. He can use you to share the love of Jesus. What, what God can do um, for me, he can do for you, young man. What, what God can do for you, he can do for you. God is willing and able to use anybody who will take him at his word, who will act like he's telling the truth and walk by faith. That's what he's saying to Joshua, and that's what he's saying to us. The promise, I'm going to be with you, just like I was with Moses. Look at verse 6. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Watch this now. Only be thou very strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it from the right hand nor the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Look at verse 8. Now I love this verse. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, but thou mayest observe to do according to all that is 
is written therein, For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Let me ask you something. How many of you in here this morning want to have good success? Let me ask you again. How many in here this morning want to have good success? Well, I'm glad there's more than two. You, you ought to want to have good success in every sphere of life, in everything that you do. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to apologize for wanting the blessing of God. I want the blessing of God on my marriage. I want the blessing of God on my ministry. I want the blessing of God on, on my, at my workplace. I want the blessing of God on my kids. I want the blessing of God on my future. I want the blessing of God on my finances. I want the blessing of God on everything in my life. And you ought to want it too. I want to have good success. You don't have to apologize for that. That's, you, ought to, you ought to want those things. Now, the, the, the thing that we need to realize, though, there's a conditional statement here to Joshua and to us. And what he says is, you get a hold of my truth, Joshua, and you don't turn from it from the right nor to the left. You, you stay in your lane. I, just a few weeks ago, me and my wife went up to Nashville, Tennessee. She had a surgery done, and while we were up there, um, and I was coming into Nashville, there were six lanes of traffic, and I was right in the middle lane. And I'm going to tell you something, and on a busy morning, when you've got six lanes of traffic, it's important that you stay in your lane. Can you say amen? Very important. Now, before I tell you the story I'm about to tell you, let me preface it for the, with this. I don't agree with road rage, but I understand it. I do. I understand it. I don't agree with it. It's not good. But I understand how it can happen. And that morning, listen, I was tested in a big way because six lanes of traffic, there's cars everywhere. And there's a car to the left-hand side of me, two lanes over. He's in the furthest outside lane, all right? I'm in the middle lane. There's six lanes here. Now, this car comes all the way across all these lanes of traffic about, I'm going to say, an eighth of a mile before the turn they must have had to turn at and comes in front of everybody all the way across. So there's people dodging and horns blowing and all of this is going on. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. Right then and there, I began to realize the importance of staying in your lane. <laughs> and that's really what God is speaking to Joshua He's saying, Joshua, I don't want you to go to the right. I don't want you to go to the left. I want you to stay um, in, in lockstep in, in the lane that I've put you in according to my law, according to my word. And Joshua, if you choose to not go to the right nor to the left, but you choose to walk according to the, to the things that I have told you, then your way is going to prosper. So could we say, according to Joshua chapter number 1, verses 2 through 8, that if we choose to do things God's way, we can expect God's blessing. I mean, if that's what he says to Joshua, I believe that's what he's saying to Israel. I can choose to do what God wants, and if I choose to do so, and it is a choice that we all have to make, that I can expect God's best for my life. And that works in every sphere of your life. And whatever you're talking about, 
You get a hold of God's truth and make application. Not just hear it, but heed it. We hear what God says. We know what His truth is. Then we apply that to our life. And God says, if you'll do that, you'll have good success. How many of you this morning are thankful for God's promise? Not only do I want you to see, though, God's promise, but I also want you to see God's plan. So he says to Joshua, this is what I want you to do. Joshua chapter 3, starting with verse number 1. Brothers, if you will, please put that on the, on the uh, screen for me. Joshua chapter 3, verse number 1. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim, and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, verse 3, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord God, Lord your God, uh, and the priests the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place, watch what he says now, and go after it. Everybody say, go after it. Now, I love this. This is God's plan. He says to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant come before you, when you see it pass by, then you remove from where you are and you go after it. Now what does this mean? The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence and power of God among His people. Now, listen to me folks. What God is saying here is, when you see my presence pass, you follow. You need to be led by my presence. You need to operate according to my power. And the same is true for you and for me. We're going to have obstacles like the Jordan River from time to time that we're going to need to cross. We're going to have some things happen in our lives, trials. Listen to me now. Tribulations. Listen, some stuff that goes on that's going to be very, very difficult for us to make it through without the presence and the power of God. But the good news is, God is saying to His people, when you experience my presence, when you know I'm leading, you follow, and I'm going to bring you through whatever hardship you may face. That's what he's promising to them, but that's also what he's promising to us. He says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant go before you, follow after it. Oh, listen to me, folks. We must, we must continually keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. Can you say amen? And follow after him. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 2 that we need to look unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Can you say amen? We keep looking unto Him. We keep our eyes focused on Him. We are led by His presence. We are enabled by His power. And listen, it's through the person of Jesus at work in our lives and in our midst that we can be effective in doing the work He saved us to do. Can you say amen? So he says, when the presence goes before you, then you go. Now watch what else. There shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may, not, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. So what's God saying to his people? I'm about to bring you into a place you've never been. Let me tell you what I'm praying for in 2023 from Mount Zion Baptist Church. I'm praying that God brings us to a place we've never been before. I'm praying that God brings us to a place spiritually that we've never been before. That we would, just like you, you prayed this morning, brother, and, and, and read this morning, that we would know Jesus more. Can you say amen? 
that we would experience more of who He is. That we would be used more by Him to impact a lost and dying world. That we would see addictions broken and families put back together and lives changed by the power of God. And I am praying and trusting that as God goes before us, we're going to keep following and He's going to bring us to places that we've never been before spiritually in our walk with Christ. Can you say amen? The Bible says that we get a hold of the truth of God line upon line, precept upon precept. And as we take that truth and apply it to our lives, we grow from glory to glory. I want to go to a place I hadn't been before with the Lord. Amen? To know Him more. To be used of Him more. To do more of what He wants me to do. Because I know that's where true peace, true joy, true purpose is found. Staying in my lane and following the Lord. Verse number five, look what it says. And Joshua said unto the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. There had to be something. Here another conditional statement. He says in Joshua chapter one, if you'll choose to do what I've told you to do, you'll prosper in all your ways. But you've got to choose to do what I've told you to do. And then he says, before I do this mighty work among you, sanctify yourself. Before God can really do what he wants by his presence and his power among his people, we must sanctify ourselves. To be sanctified means to be cleaned up and set apart for the purpose of God. Listen to me, folks. We can't expect God's best in our life, living in unconfessed sin. We cannot expect God's best for our life doing things we know are disobedient to what God has laid out for us in His Word. We must sanctify ourselves. I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's important as a child of God that you keep a short account with Him. The same grace that saved you is the same grace that keeps you. And when you get away from the Lord and disobey and do things you know are, not dis, are, are displeasing unto him, right then and there. Hey, get along with the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I've missed it here. Hey, Lord, I know you're right on this, and I've been wrong on this, and I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to cleanse me of this sin. I don't want anything to hinder me from being what you want me to be. I don't want to hinder your best in my life. I don't want to hinder you bringing me places I've never been because I'm choosing to live in sin that pleases the flesh. Are you hearing me? He says, sanctify yourselves. Man, get cleaned up because tomorrow God's about to do something that only God can do. I love that. Verse number six. And Joshua spake unto the priest saying, take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And he took up the ark of the covenant and went there before the people. Now, we see the plan of God. I want you to also see the problem the people have. Joshua chapter 3, verse number 15. Brothers, put that on the screen for me. Look what the Bible tells us. And as they were bare the ark, came to the Jordan, and the feast of the priest that bare the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. Now watch the last part of this verse. For the Jordan overflows all its banks all the time of the harvest. So here's the obstacle. The Jordan River has, is at flood stage. That means it's overflowed all its banks. 
And God has said they need to cross this Jordan because on the other side of the Jordan is the promised land. The land flowing with milk and honey. What we know to represent the abundant life that is promised to all who trust in Jesus. Amen? So he says, before you get to the promised land, you've got to cross the Jordan. The problem was, the Jordan was at flood stage and it overflowed everywhere. Now listen to me. There's no problem too small for God. Amen? See, there's some things that you're dealing with in your life and you're not praying about, you're not seeking the Lord about because you think somehow that maybe it's too small. No, listen, God is concerned about what's going on with you no matter how small or big you think it is. There's nothing too small for God. But now listen to me. There's nothing too big for Him either. And we need to pray big prayers because we have a big God who does big things. I'm praying big prayers for my kids. Amen? I'm praying that God uses them and blesses them and works in them and through them for his honor and his glory. I'm praying that they really make a difference in the world they live for the kingdom of God. I'm praying for their, for, for their, uh, uh, their spouses, their future spouses and their families, that, that God's blessing and favor would be upon them. I'm praying big for my kids. Let me tell you something else. I'm praying big for my church. Praise the Lord. I want to see God move and work right here at Mount Zion. I want to see lives change and our church grow, not just in number. I want to see it grow spiritually so that we know more of who Jesus is, so that we experience more of who Jesus is, that line upon line, precept upon precept, we just keep growing from glory to glory. I'm praying big prayers for Mount Zion. I'm praying big prayers because I have a big God who can do big things. I think it was Dr. J. Vernon McGee who once said he believed there were blessings getting moldy up in heaven because nobody asked for them. God does big things. And right here he's about to do another big thing. The problem was this river was at flood stage and they had to cross the river to get to the promised land. Now I want you to see the promise of God. I want you to see the plan of God. I want you to see the problem of the people. But now listen, folks, we cannot miss the power that God possesses. Go back to Joshua chapter 3, verse number 7. Let's read together. Watch what it says. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that we may know, that they may know, that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Let's go on. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When you are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, you shall stand still in Jordan. Verse 9. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Verse 11, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord shall, of the earth shall pass over before you into Jordan. Watch. Now therefore take you twelve men of the tribes of Israel out of every tribe of man, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand up on a heap. Everybody see that? Sometimes I think we read over things like this in the Bible. I know I do from time to time, and I really miss the significance of it. Folks, listen to me now. 
God does, again, something only God can do. If you don't believe me, go home this evening, and I want you to stack up some water in a heap in your, in your sink at home. Get in the shower this evening and stack up some water. Because that's what God does for his people right here in the book of Joshua. Somebody say, that's my Jesus. The same God who did these miraculous big things on the pages of Scripture we still serve today. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. Amen. He has not changed. If he can do big things for Moses and for Joshua, he can do big things for Israel. If he can do people, big things for the nation of Israel, he can do big things for Mount Zion Baptist Church. He can do big things for you. But, now listen, there are some conditions. You got to do things his way to expect his blessing. And you got to sanctify yourself to see his power. Are you hearing me? You can't set your feet toward Egypt and your eyes toward Egypt and focus on what used to be and, and then also receive the blessing that God wants to give you. He wants to take you places you've never been. Stop looking back to where you were. Stop thinking back to where you were. Stop going back to where you were because God's got a new beginning for all those who've placed their trust in Him. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now listen to me. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't set your feet or your eyes that way. Look forward to what God has for you now. Stay in your lane now. Following Him. Walking by faith. Acting like God is telling the truth. Being obedient to what He says. And see if God's Word, word don't work when you work it. It works. But you've got to work it. You've got to apply it. You've got to take it. And start doing what God says to do. Folks, in this new beginning, you can see his blessing. Can you say amen? The Bible says the waters did stand up on a heap. Verse 14 says, And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over the Jordan, the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as they bear the ark were come down in the Jordan, the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. For Jordan overflows its banks this time of harvest, verse 16. And the waters which came down from above stood and rose up on a heap very far from the city of Adam, that is beside Zarathan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. Now look at the last verse. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant stood firm. Watch this now. On dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Does that remind you of anything? Do you remember when God brought them out of bondage? What's the first thing he did? He split the Red Sea and the Bible says they walked across on dry ground. Now when God's bringing them into blessing, into the land of promise, what's the first thing that happens? 
the people walk across an overflowed river bottom on dry ground. Well, you know what I believe God is saying? The same God who brought you through before is going to bring you through now. And if he can do it before and he can do it now, he can do it in the future. God's graciousness is shown to us, not because of our goodness, but he is. We can trust in who he is and what he has said. Remember that. Trust in that. Take the example God gives us in this Old Testament scripture and apply it to our lives. That's what we must do. Everybody stand together this morning. This invitation is your invitation to come and do business with the God of heaven. I want you to think about that just a moment. Do you know this morning you can get to know the God who spoke those blue skies into existence? Do you know this morning you can come to know the God that we've read about who stacked water up on a heap? Do you know this morning you can get, be in a right relationship with the God of heaven through his son Jesus? If you've not yet made the decision to trust in Christ and be born again into the family of God, I would love to show you through the word of God what that means. I can't save you. Walking this aisle don't save you. Being in this church, it's not going to save you. But I tell you this, the same Jesus who once saved me can and will save you if you'll place your faith in the fact that he's done everything needed for you to be born again. I want to share with you the truth of who Jesus is right here today. Today is your day of salvation if you've not yet made that decision. This altar is open for you. I'm inviting you to come and do business with the God of heaven. Now, some of you may be here this morning and you know you've already been saved, but you're, you're, you're still going through some growing pains in your life. You're, you're going through some wilderness experiences where God is showing you exactly who He is. See, we learn things in times of trial and tribulation that we can't learn any other way. Trials are faith food. Tribulations that God allows in our lives many times show us just how big He is. When we get to the place where we can't fix a situation and we've got to have God to fix it, it's amazing how He can show up and show out and do the work that only He can do. You'd never known that if you'd never got put in that time of trial. You'd have never known that if you hadn't been in that time of tribulation. So those things that you're going through, it's faith food. It's helping you grow. It's like those wilderness experiences that the nation of Israel were going through. They'd have never known God could bring water from a rock unless they got thirsty. They'd have never known He could have rained down manna from heaven unless they got hungry. But through all of those trials, through all of those tribulations, God was showing His people who He is. And maybe that's you this morning. He said, Brother, I'm really struggling. I'm just needing for the Lord to, to show me what he wants to show me and to do the work that only he can do. Well, 
Come talk to him about it. The Bible says we can come boldly to the throne of grace and men, women, boys and girls all throughout history have been getting alone in an altar with God just like this one. I'm telling you, today is the day you need to get right with the Lord. You know your heart. God knows your heart. This invitation is for you, brother. Play for us.